Welcome to the no transform zone. No transforming allowed here. Welcome to the no Sega zone because they removed that from the title. <laughs> That's true. true. I thought I had a better like intro, but I forgot what it would be. <laughs> Charlie, it's okay. Your intro just transformed. Welcome to the no Whoa. radical announcer anymore zone. Welcome to they're just there. My name yeah. is Steven. I'm Isaiah, and I'm Charlie. And uh, we played we played we played a video game. Just one this week. Just, just <laughs> yeah. One. It's the only one I've played all week. That's it's, a little bit true. The, if it wasn't clear, the video game that we played was Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed. It, it is it is the title of this episode, so I think it's probably clear. <laughs> but maybe some maybe people have autoplay on. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Anyway. What? <laughs> I swear I had a meaningful question. I guess we'll just start with, how did you guys feel about this game before we went in? Like, with your, your previous experience? Because I'm sure we've all played it before. I got it around the time it came out, and it was, like, kind of neat, I guess. I think a lot of people kind of dissed this game because it came out after Mario Kart 7, so the whole, like, multi-terrain driving was, like, seen as the ripoff, but, like... It's not because you float on the water, not go in it, and you fly instead of glide. Yeah. Uh, I kind of liked it more than the other version, but then the other version I had on Wii, but this one I had on PS3. And I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't as big a fan of the character selection. Yes. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Especially considering, like, the guest characters that we got. You know, I guess maybe I'm spoiled from fighting games. But, like... Man... How wild would it be if Danica Patrick was a guest character in a fighting game? I would just hate it. Like, it'd be really boring to me. <laughs> yeah, Danica Patrick is in this game for some reason. Uh, but you have to unlock her. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph is also in this game for reasons that fully elude me. Because uh, the movie came out around the same time. Yeah, it's for cross-promotional stuff. But, like, think about for a moment... Can you think of any other video game that has a movie crossover character? No. Yep. <laughs> not a even a little bit. Any game you said? Yeah, any game that is not itself like a licensed movie property that has a movie crossover character. Mortal Kombat? Is it a character from a Mortal Kombat film? Well, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about Freddy Krueger and oh, Jason yeah, and the Xenomorph. Yeah, I guess Soul Calibur had Star Wars characters, didn't it? Ooh, I hate that. Yeah. I hate those characters, though. I think they're really stupid. That's fair. Also, like, what was it? Gear. The most recent Gears of War game had like Terminator skins because of the new Terminator movie it came out that time. Yeah. And now my next question for you. Oh, one other thing. Sonic Dash, the mobile game, had a Sonic movie. Well, like, that's skin. okay. Hold it. That's different because, like you said, that's the that, Sonic that movie. That is true. <laughs> so for Mortal Kombat, these characters make sense thematically, right? Because they actually just look a lot like Mortal Kombat characters because Mortal <laughs> Kombat itself true. is inspired by a combination of horror and kung fu movies. They do also tend to engage in Mortal Kombat. It's usually mortal for the other people involved in the combat, but it yeah. still counts. And for the the Star Wars characters, I hate those characters a lot. I think they actually don't mesh with the Soul Calibur universe in any capacity at all. Yeah, it feels very weird. I remember the the Link like character yes. like on the GameCube version of Soul Calibur 2 makes perfect like sense. Like it 
it felt like they did they put in a lot of effort to make him mesh with the like style of Soul Calibur. There are also already two other characters that are shield and sword characters, so it just makes sense. That's true, yeah. And the elf thing is weird, but that's whatever. Yeah. Um, and like in the instance of the Star Wars characters, yeah. But I, and I feel like a lot of people actually like those characters, which confuses me because in my experience for people who like Soul Calibur specifically, four is where they got quote unquote not as good. If not bad. <laughs> yeah. And it was only recently during 6 where people feel like this might be better than, like, Soul Calibur 3 or even 2. I think a lot of people like 2 more than 3. But that's more, like, up for debate. Oh, also Tekken 7 got Negan from Walking Dead. Ooh, that is also true. And I feel like that one is a lot, a lot more, like, difficult to parse out because he kind of does feel like he fits in that game better. <laughs> But the point is, Danica Patrick races, but she's also a real human being. Yeah. Danica Patrick is my favorite Sega character. Her car doesn't transform. Wreck-It Ralph is from a movie with, like, character design that Wait, I... her car doesn't transform? No, in her real-life car doesn't transform. No. Well, she... I'm also... She... I'm, wait, does she drive Formula One? I have no idea. I don't I thought, care I thought about she was racing. a NASCAR driver. I don't know. I... So I'm going to be completely honest with you. I did not unlock her. It's only fantasy because it has six wheels instead of four, though. Like, they decided to make it look a little over the top, so they decided to add an extra pair of wheels, and that was it. On the on the Steam version of the game, we got Team Fortress. Oh, boy. Which, except for maybe the heavy, aren't really voiced by the like original voice actors, and that bothers me a lot as a person who loves playing Team Fortress 2. They could have just taken voice clips from Team Fortress 2. Yeah, they yeah. did that. They did that with, like, the weird JPEG renders that they used to make the character's profile icon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just have three characters smashed together into one profile icon, like yeah. they're trying to hog yeah. the spotlight of the camera. You got Pyro in the car, you got Heavy in the boat, and you got Spy in the plane. That's the other thing. They have, like, the RPG party factor where they just kind of are consumed by each other and exist in a, in a <laughs> super space. Yeah. Like, it's not like all of them are sharing a ride. Yeah. It's like one person is in the car... Yeah, and it's, then, just, it's just the player doing a class change. Yeah. <laughs> that's That makes it way more interesting than I had ever thought about it before. Still, I'm not impressed by the character. <laughs> but, like, hey, at least there's, like, neat representation there for, like, the Steam yeah. property. We've also got his... I will say, I think the more guest characters you have, the more okay it is. Yeah. But, like, they just... That's the only other guest character, because, like, the Steam version, besides Team Fortress, has a bunch of other exclusives, but they're just also Sega characters, but, like, like Steam Sega characters, I guess. Yeah. Because, yeah, Football Manager, and Football Manager is, like, one of the best-selling series on Steam, I think, because it's, you know, soccer, football, whatever. Yeah. And then you have, like, Willemus from some... I don't know if they're from... They're from a, maybe a Gladiator game or something. He you he uses the Sat the Saturn mod pack, which makes me think that it's a old series from the Saturn. Uh, I don't think that's actually the case. I think that those are just weird random names. But Willemus is like the lamest one because like he literally uses like a freaking PNG to transform, and his All Star move looks terrible. Yeah, most people's All Star moves are a significant downgrade from their like counterparts in the previous game, and then the new characters' All Star moves are just not impressive in general. I mean, they're not good because like. They had to. They had to like make a compromise because of the transforming mechanic. Because er basically every transforming mechanic puts them into plane mode, except for knights, which you know I want to. I want to put that in a whole another segment. Um, 
We're going to add a segment just called Complaining About Knights. And then you also got like Total War Shogun and General Winter, and there's probably another one that I'm forgetting, but I think I covered all the Steam-exclusive characters. The idea of characters being named after their games always also bothers me in any video game Oh, context. yeah. No, he's just called Shogun. It's just from he's just from Total War Shogun. Oh, I thought that was his name. No, I never. I, it's just a Total War. I think General Winter is also from a Total War game, but like, I don't play those games. That adds up. But I, I like it's weird because in Super Smash Bros., which is obviously the most popular of these crossover franchises, they have a character that's just named Duck Hunt. That's true. Which hurts deeply. <laughs> also, I Hunt. guess in a weird sense, we didn't we, we didn't do this, but like. You can play as Simon from the Yogs cast if you buy the DLC. Oh. Yeah, I'm And there's I, I also like I so I will say I booted up the game and I just had randomly Metal Sonic was fully leveled up. Well that's because he's DLC. I yeah, yeah I was gonna say, like, is he a DLC character? He was DLC previously, but when you buy it on Steam you get all of the base games DLC. Like you yeah. get the you know, the console versions DLC for free, but then also the Yogs cast thing is separate. So you have to pay yeah. for it separately, and I believe all of the money it makes, or at least the money it made when it was first released, went to a charity of some sort. Okay. Yeah. I think Ryo Sazaki was also DLC at some point, and also Alex Kidd, but I don't know. It's weird that, like, Ryo and Alex, characters that were in the base game before, are DLC this time, even though this series doesn't have, like, a crazy legacy. So it's not, like... I don't know, it feels weird. It's not like they're trying to complete their cast with these DLC characters, because their cast is nowhere near complete in comparison to the previous game. Yeah, I mean, this game kind of went for, like, taking... A, like, they did a lot of just, ri like, single characters from several franchises, and they opted to add a second character from other franchises, like Knights, Jet Set, and Space Channel 5. Well, Knights didn't even have one character in the previous game, and this time it has right, two. Right, but they still put in Riala with with them. So. Right. The, it's it's weird who got the axe and who didn't, I guess. Yeah. And, like, I think Gum putting in, and also Knights were in Superstars Tennis. It's just that you had to unlock it, and that game was kind of hard to play. Yes, that's true. I do believe Gum was in that game. I don't know about the others. I, I don't know. It, it seems weird in the first place. Their character choice was, like, all over the place in the first game, but in a way that seemed, like, fun and compelling. Yeah. And in this game, they took out, like, all of the fun and interesting picks, and then just sort of, like, replaced them with even more random picks that, like, made less sense for vehicles. Like, a, like yeah. the Shogun doesn't make any sense at all in terms of, like, riding a vehicle. They do some kind of interesting things with it, though, with some, like, ancient Japanese, like, architecture. Like, visual know. design, yeah. But... I mean, I like for example, I think one of the best ones they did for this game was it was Gilius Thunderhead from Golden Axe. Yeah, he's because like, I kind of thought it was silly that they didn't put him in the first game, but like they gave him like like the animals would transform and like for thrusters they have like potion bottles attached to them. Yeah, I I think Gilius is like the the coolest of the additions and the most reasonable too. Actually, I think now is probably as good a time as ever for me to complain about knights. In reality, do it. <laughs> uh, they are the vehicle, and they look horrendous. Or at least Knight says. I never, I still never unlocked Riala. I can't imagine they look much better. And the only time you get to see like regular knights is when they do their all star and they're just flying, and that's cool. But instead, you just have like you see a little ugly baby uh, Knightopian driving a uh, wide faced knights. <laughs> uh, so gross. 
anyway, how do you feel about this as a racing game, Steven? I think that it's totally fine. I do feel that compared to its predecessor, it doesn't control as, I, I, I don't know, I guess arcade is the best word. Like, your car has a lot more weight to it than it did in the previous game, which is not bad. And you cannot, like, spam drift as much as you used to be able to. For one, because drifting takes a little longer for you to get to the full boost. Yeah, and, for sure. And it also, the, the maps themselves are not designed in such a way to encourage drifting all the time. There are a lot more hairpin turns and then absolute straightaways. So you, you're dealing with, like, interacting with your opponents a lot more in this game, I feel. As opposed to trying your best just to, like, move as quickly as possible. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. And because of that, I think the emphasis on items is much stronger. And I think that it does sort of follow up on that because there are a lot more items in this game and they actually serve more purposes than they used to. I think the variety is a little better. Yeah. But I do think that for me personally, it makes the game less enjoyable, less enjoyable at least initially, because I, you know, I'm not as far along in the learning curve as I could be, so it feels weird to come from one game to the next directly, because I just feel like mm. totally different genres. Yeah. Like, to get a full boost, you almost have to be at, like, a 270-degree a turn. Yeah, like, you need to... Th there are only specific instances where you're ever allowed to do that, whereas in the previous game, yeah. you could do it very regularly. It is... I did find it very interesting that when you get a level 1 boost, it doesn't, like, tell you... Like, you can see your exhaust fumes change colors, but your exhaust fumes are small enough that you, like, need to know to look for that to find it. Yeah. And then when you get a level 2 boost, it tells you, like, this tiny, like, pop-up in the corner of the screen says it. And then when you get to a level 3 boost, it says it in big text in the center of the screen. Yeah. To be like, hey, oh, an event is happening. You got a level 3 boost. And, I, like, I don't necessarily even mind that system, but I do agree with you that they should make it clearer where you're at. Yeah. And I kind of... Like, wish there was a, like, a drift meter or something at this point, because it takes so long. Yeah. I think, I think in the first game, and in, like, Mario Kart and stuff like that, where getting your, your drift boost is pretty quick, you don't need any kind of meter. You could just be like, yeah, it feels like it's this amount of seconds or whatever. Yeah. But in this game, it's, it's the kind of length where I'm drifting for, like, six seconds, which is a long time, right? And then I'm, like, at or maybe almost at Drift Level 3. Like, I might not even be there yet. Yeah. You know? And it's it's just, like, I can't I can't really tell how quickly I'll get there. Mm. Another difference with the drifting that makes it feel like you have to be obscenely specific with what you're doing is that in the previous game, you would let go of the um, Drift button. I think is how you did it. You would let go of the drift button briefly and you would spin your boost and then you could tap it and start drifting again right away. In yeah. this game, mm -hmm. if you let go of drift, you have an opportunity to turn the opposite direction that you were drifting in and then drift again so you can sort of maintain a boost without like spinning it so you can get to boost level one and then take another turn and get to two and three or something like that or even you can do it over the course of three turns. Yeah. But because of that, you can't just boost whenever you want. You have to let go of the drift button and just go straight for a little bit if you want to release the boost. And this makes it really weird trying to figure out how to, like, precisely navigate around, like, snake turns where you have to go, like, left and right real quick. Yeah. And sometimes I would like to just spend the boost before I hit a wall 
and then start drifting again, and it just doesn't come out that way, and, like, I get confused and then just hit the wall. It feels really weird. It feels very, very different from the previous game. I feel like, in theory, being able to, like, like change the direction you're drifting in without spending the boost is, like, a really cool high-level play, but I don't... I mean, I, I, was, I never did that successfully, and maybe that's just because I didn't play it on a high level enough, but I, I did feel the absence of being able to, like, uh, drift and then boost and immediately start drifting again. Yeah, this game to me feels a lot like the jump between Riders and Zero Gravity, where there is actually very little similar about those two games. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's a it's a little bit less significant, but I don't know. I don't know, man. When you start like doing the transformation stuff, that's I guess that's the other thing I haven't gotten to. Yeah, the transformation is also like, cause cause the way you control those vehicles is is just completely different. With the boats, it's pretty similar, but the issue is that your vehicle just feels significantly more weighty. Like, you have a lot more momentum, and it's a lot harder to turn, like, away from a wall or something like that. Yeah. And mm. they make the spaces bigger to compensate for that, but it still feels like whenever I try to take a turn, I'm always, like, turning left, going too deep, and then turning right, and then going too deep, and then turning left. Yeah, for and sure. Instead of actually just being able to, like, take a turn the way I want to. Yeah. And a lot of this has to do with, like, us both not being used to the game, because Charlie was able to pick up and play this game and consistently beat computers that Isaiah and I were having a hard time with. Yeah. And I don't think that's, like, I don't think that's because he's super, super used to this game. I think he's just slightly more used to it than than Isaiah and I are. Yeah. Would you agree with sure. that, Charlie? Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I've, you know, I've played it since it came out and off and on, and... It's weird. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know if like the the boat and plane sections have any influence on that as well, because that's that's a bit more jarring than just like doing regular racing. Yeah, for sure. And you have it interspersed. It's not like, I guess for the planes it is sometimes. It's weird. Some of the levels you're constantly going back and forth. So you, if you're a new player, you rarely have time to get used to one or the other. But yeah. With some levels, they make the last lap like more plain than anything else. And those Yeah, that's the thing is that there are a lot of stages that change between laps. Yeah. So Which there might I... be m more boat sections or more plane sections, as it were. And there are also some stages that are just from the first game, so they're just all car. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to say I do like conceptually uh, a course where some things about the lap change. Some things about the course change over the course of multiple laps. Um However, I don't like that when it means that I have to now drive in a plane because I don't like being in the plane. Yeah. And that feels so weird for me to say because I feel like when I when I first played the game back when it came out, I really liked the plane and I think I just liked the freedom of movement. Yeah, um, I think the thing is that the plane feels easier, even though I don't actually think it is, but it feels easier because you can kind of go wherever you want. There are usually less obstacles for the plane segments, especially the yeah. earlier, earlier levels. And they give you more boost opportunities, so you can just, like, do a bunch of boosting in the plane and it feels rewarding immediately. But my problem is that when I get into the plane, I have no idea how I'm actually supposed to get an edge over my opponents because of how open the space is. Yeah, like, I, I've found that the best way to be in the plane is just to go in a completely straight line. Yeah. And, like, don't, don't make any inputs. And especially because, uh, and I, I feel it's important for me to, like sort of make a disclaimer which is that my controller didn't work for this game 
the only way for me to get my controller to work, work was to use Joy-Key and map my keyboard buttons to my controller. And so I didn't have analog input. And that's horrible in the plane because that feeling of like turning and then you're like, you've turned too much, now you need to correct and all of that is way worse when you have two axes upon which you're turning. Well, it's also worse because you can't just slightly go up or slightly go down. Yeah. You're you're always full throttle going up and down, which yeah. is... So, so for me, the plane was like... The first half of my experience with the plane is I'm crashing all the time and I hate it. And my second half was, okay, go in a direction that is good and never touch the control stick. Yeah, and even when you do try to drift, because drifting is obviously the way that you put the most skill into your turns, you know, if you do that more carefully, you get more speed per turn. But with the plane, when you drift, it turns your plane sideways, and then you lean into a turn like you would with normal vehicles, like both the boat and the cart, I guess, have very similar drifting methods. But with the plane, it feels like its influence over you is so much stronger because so many of the plane segments are just straightaways. Yeah. And you're never sure, like, is it worth it to drift, to, like, turn hard right and then drift hard left to try and eke out a boost before you get to, like, the physical boost gate that you could just get normally? Or should you just not, like, as I said, input anything and then just go with the flow? Because that never feels good. In a racing game, it's just like it, it practically becomes an idle game at that point, where it's just whoever holds a good wins. I was I was gonna say like there has never been a point R2. while playing this game where I have passed someone else in a plane. R two is in fact the accelerator, but I was just talking about like games in general. I didn't mean to right. offend you. <laughs> I mean, so is your problem with the plane sections that they're like too wide open? It, I think the problem is it's it's weird because you have the most freedom, but like if you exercise any of that freedom, you're not traveling the optimal path. You know, like you can move sure. in so many different directions, but if you go any direction other than forward, you're gonna get behind all the people that are just moving forward. Yeah, and it doesn't really feel like there are any meaningful decisions to make because you can't really drift. The tracks aren't designed for it. You can't really use items because your aiming has to be significantly more precise, you know? Yeah, it, it, it feels like the way to do it quickly is obscured greatly by the versatility and options, and then also by the fact that the levels are not designed in a way that is conducive, except for one. There was one lava level that we played when we were playing together that I actually really liked because it had a bunch of these hairpin turns, which felt great with the plane, because the plane drifts harder than the other two vehicles, or at least that's yeah. how it felt to me. Well, yeah, that was the uh, golden axe stage for, like, Death Adder hideout or something like that. Yeah. Did you ever play the Panzer Dragoon stage? Yes, I did. Because that one's kind of similar in structure. I did not like it as much because I had significantly more obstacles, so drifting felt way more dangerous, because when you're drifting, you turn far left enough that you can't actually see where you're going in the plane. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. it's really interesting to me that you you like your turns are the most hairpin when you're drifting with the plane, but the courses are the straightest with the plane. Yeah, that's that's like why it doesn't want you drifting at all. Yeah, it it feels really weird to know when you should and shouldn't drift because it's pretty bleh, it's pretty clear with the boat in the car. I think there's one thing we should uh, mention unless it's on the docket and I didn't look right. So I think in the first game, I kind of 
noted slash complained about how like tricks were very slow and hard to do. Mm, that's true. Where in this game, they're a lot more fast. That's true, yeah. It's like the opposite of drifting, basically. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I didn't even know about tricks for like the first half of my playtime of this game. <laughs> I really? feel like. Yeah, because they're on, for controller, they're on the right control stick. Mm-hmm. Which what is were they on the last game? Was it just like the A button or something? Yeah, it was a face button. Okay. And flicking the control stick feels weird to me because you, like, you're, the majority of your focus is on, like, the top of the controller, and then occasionally yeah. the face buttons. So it feels really weird to move to, like, the lowest part of the controller, I guess, in, like, a way that yeah. seems less intuitive to me. Right. Well, yeah, you could just do those on cliffs, and if you do it too soon, you mess up and fail it, and you can get a transform boost, which is basically just, like, flipping right out of a transform gate. Usually um, you can only do that when you're going from a plane to something else. Well, you you can literally do it for almost any transition except going into a plane, because once you're in the plane, you're already in the air. That's true, yeah. That was always... It always, like, felt bad to be like, I'm going to get a transform boost, and then I'm a plane... And, like, I did a flip that made me move downward, and then I hit a wall. (laughs) And I was like, transform boost. (laughs) Yeah, I also just feel like this game throws more boost panels and, like, boost gates in terms of a plane at you. Yeah. To the point where doing tricks feels less valuable, even though it's obviously a very important part of going fast. It's, like, so much of the game is just based around maneuvering the track instead of maneuvering around it as fast as possible, I guess, yeah, it, it feels, like, less valuable to do the drifting and, and all the other it, boosting mechanics. It sort of feels like the optimal route has already been laid out for you, and it's just go where the boost pads are. Yeah. The, the thing about... So, for me, as a more casual player, I don't really mind that, because I just like going fast. Yeah, I have no problem with it. But it is, it is sort of weird to think about, like, yeah, all the other players are going to do that, too. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I do think that the trick system, like Charlie mentioned, because of how fast you can do it, it feels rewarding. Because yeah. you can trick off of significantly more things in this game than you could in the previous one. You For can sure. usually eke out like one trick on the odd jump if you're going fast enough. But in this game, like any little jump, especially with the boats, gets you two to three tricks on average. There's there's something else I want to say, which is that your tricks, you can do like a side roll, which when you do that trick it will make you strafe left or right. And there have been a couple of times when I've been like, all right, so I'm going to strafe to the right while I'm in the air, hit the ground in a drift to the left, so I've given myself more room to avoid hitting the left wall and then get a boost off of that. And that feels good to sort of plan that route out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that kind of thing is like super cool. And I think that the, the situation here is that this game's methods of being faster are just slightly more nuanced, I guess, in the previous entry. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, at no point in my time with this game did I feel like it didn't play well. It's oh, just yeah. like the... Except in the planes. Well, I don't even think the planes play poorly. It's just I don't think that the the levels that you fly around in are usually designed in a fundamentally interesting and, like, encouraging way. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about before we hop over to items? Nah, let's go to items. Okay, go uh, for it. So... The items in Transformed are arguably less uh, Mario Kart rip-off-y than the previous game. I think they're way more unique, yeah. Yeah, For like... Sure. The more common item is the Snowball, which is like green shells, except they cannot bounce. But they're also way faster. 
So yeah. it, it feels like you just point at somebody, and if you angled it perfectly, you're going to hit them. Yeah, I really feel good about getting long shot, and the game lets you feel good by like just mentioning you get a long shot. There's a lot of cool things you can do with items that give you like achievement stickers that just like you can decorate your license for when you do online. Well, and more than that, like th those are cool and they pop up and you you know you feel neat when you see unique words. But I do feel like it's actually really important to note the there's long shot and there's also a reverse shot for if you shoot behind you and you hit an opponent because you can do mm -hmm. the thing where you tilt the stick forward or backwards oh, yeah. to aim. And I think yeah. it's actually super useful for the game to tell you that you hit someone because you know you did it right. So you can kind of like recreate that more regularly than Mario Kart where, for one, you're frequently only getting one item to use and you also just like frequently throw it almost at random or put it behind you to use as a shield if you're in first just so that you can have space to get another item at the next item box. Yeah. Whereas with the snowballs, you always get three. It's not like a rare thing that, to see. So you always yeah. have a few different chances to use it and it helps you learn a lot faster and it feels a lot more encouraging to get like, I guess it, the most common item is like really interesting to use in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. You can also get fireworks, which act more like the green shell in most respects. You usually only get in singles, but like there's a special yellow item box that lets you get multiples of items. Like mm -hmm. you can get those for the blowfish, which is in the, which is basically like the banana. But when you launch it forward, instead of just like lobbing it, it like it works sort of like the firework, but it, like it's deflating itself because it's a blowfish. Yeah, and it's less consistent, I think, and doesn't go as far. Well, it's like. It's like a plantable obstacle. Like, you want to shoot it somewhere. Well, right, you can do that, but I'm saying when you launch it forward. Like, it is the banana oh, yeah. of this game in a sense that you can plant it behind you, but when you shoot it forward, it's not lobbed. No, it's not. And it also will, like, hit a wall and become an obstacle again. Like, it'll it'll hit yeah. a wall and then, like, pop up. Yeah, it's like yeah. the fireworks. Well, the I don't know. The fireworks always confuse me because in some capacities it seems like they tracked a little bit, but then they can also just go straight behind you even when there's not a wall in front of you. Mm. Like, they're... they're yeah. Their, like, pathing just bewildered me Yeah, the it's, like, time. really weird because of how the stages are designed. Yes, for sure. And, like, some parts of the stage don't even have clear walls, like, with the planes and stuff. Yeah, there are, there are a few items where I never really figured out exactly how they worked. I just got a vibe for when it was appropriate to use them. Like, with the firework, I was like, there's somebody in front of me. I have a firework. I'm going to hit them. And sometimes yeah. I hit them and sometimes I didn't. Of course, if you want it. something to reliably hit someone, you want to use the probe if you get it, oh, which is just the red shell. The word probe. <laughs> I saw it was a remote control was what I saw. No, the it, word it's probe. Just, it is a remote control, but I think it, it's called probe. It's it just like a device with a red button on it. Yeah, and it, which is kind of weird when you think of the last game because it was like there was like a detonation device. Yeah, I in initially thought that I could choose when the... I'm, I'm going to call it the RC car. <laughs> Because probe yeah. is not safe. I felt like I, agree. I was supposed to like hit a button to make it blow up because sometimes it would go straight past the person in front of me. And I feel like the the logic behind that was if you are directly behind your opponent and you use it and you're not too close, it will like path to the closest person to you. But if you're like about ready to pass the person directly in front of you, it'll go to attack the person in front of them so that you actually have a stronger yeah. chance of passing two people, which I liked a lot. Oh yeah, same here. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't need to hit this person right now. It'll just be more valuable to hit the person ahead of them. Yeah. And that also makes it, like, not so scary to get close to people and try to pass, which I like. Because in 
Mario Kart, very frequently items that you grab will like always impact the people closest to you, either like directly behind you or directly in front of you. And that makes yeah. it really scary to try and approach someone. Whereas this game like encourages you to be passing people as much as possible. Yeah. I do. I, there is generally like in, in Mario Kart, the closer you are to somebody, the closer you are into danger. And that's really not true for this game. Yeah. Like you want to be away from the pack because that's every racing game with items. Uh, but like, if you're in the pack, you're not in more danger by being closer to somebody. Yeah, you're encouraged to pass people as much as possible. Yeah, and I really like which that. is very cool. And it's it's really interesting, especially because I feel like this game gives you a lot more items than Mario Kart does. Yeah, I I agree. It, it seems like it's giving you tons of items, and they're really encouraging to use. Like they all feel effective. Yeah. Well, except me, well, the projectiles aren't the best in plane mode, obviously. Oh yeah. Even then, though, there were some times where I used snowballs and I just aimed them for the the boost gate instead of aiming for a player, and that worked a lot better <laughs> for me. Oh, interesting. And I really enjoyed that aspect because you can kind of like make the boost gate dangerous, which is neat. Yeah, I I do enjoy. There was something that I ran into, which for some reason it didn't occur to me that if I lay a uh, uh, what the blowfish blow trap, like if I lay a blowfish trap, I could run into it on the next lap. <laughs> Even though that's how it that's how it works in Mario Kart, that's how it works in every game. I just thought maybe I wouldn't collide with my own obstacles, but I did. And whoops. <laughs> oh well. I, I do think that like these items have the same problem as the previous entry where they don't make any sense for like Sega properties. Yeah, that's well, true. Yeah, but because like even the last game had like the racing shoes for boost, which in this game, they're just, like, generic arrows and the barrier. Yeah. Which they basically replace with the glove and super glove, which just lets... It basically lets you... I think it lets you use items like Peach's hearts and double dash. Yeah. Well, like, the glove, yeah, it will, like, catch something and then let you throw it in front of you. Yeah, and it's just a baseball glove, too. Yeah. Fun fact, it will also protect you from stage obstacles. That's true. You can't use the stage obstacles as items, but it will, like, not stop you when you hit one. Yeah, it, like, it acts as a negation for things coming from behind you, but it doesn't work for things coming from in front of you, right? Uh, no, if you, I mean, if you hit a stage obstacle just by ramming directly No, not a stage it, obstacle. I mean, like, if someone throws their snowballs or whatever behind you, or behind them, to, like, try and stop you from passing them, that doesn't get caught, right? For that, I have absolutely no idea. Because I the problem with the gloves is that it just doesn't last very long. That's true. The super glove. That's lasts why you longer. get the super glove. Yeah. It it lasts longer than the shield did, I think. And the super glove you can only get from the yellow item capsules, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah, I, I've never gotten it. I should also mention that like before most races during the loading screen, you can spend these coins you get in game to like on a slot machine that can sometimes get you items at the beginning of the race or every other lap or something like that. Yeah, it's a really weird system. Um, just to cap off the items, there's like three more. Yeah, we got the Twister. Besides the all-star move, which we basically already covered. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like an AoE or a projectile or whatever. Uh, you have the Twister, which is similar to the Shooting Star, but instead of just like hindering your ability to see in a kind of annoying way, it like turns your car around and your controls are reversed. And you can drive backwards if you like course correct yourself and like if you crash you kind of lose time from like hitting like hitting literally anything 
yeah. upside down. So it's really satisfying to able to get yourself out of that by like not colliding with anything. Well, and it doesn't feel as oppressive as the star did. I was going to say, I think this is a way better move than the star. Because yeah. the star was like, it, it would just turn your camera upside down, right? Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was annoying in a way that didn't feel like satisfying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like, oh no, your car has been turned around, so of course your controls have been turned around too. Like that makes sense, and and it's it's just like easier to wrap your head around conceptually. And it feels you know? cool to drive backwards. Yes, it does. That that also helps a lot. It's an opportunity to feel cool instead of an opportunity to feel annoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And that one has we like tracking have... on it, right? The the twister will like track down an opponent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. We also have the swarm. Which like usually is like a a, a a a last place move or you know just a back half move. Yeah. That just summons a bunch of bees to like become obstacles on the course, and it usually disappears by the time you reach it. But like, I think I think that's my favorite item in this game. I like it a lot. Because it, so one of my favorite things in racing games is weaving around shit, <laughs> and. No, in no other situation can I weave around shit as much as when there's a swarm around me, because it's just we put a, we took your race and we added bees to it. Now don't <laughs> hit the bees, and I'm like, yeah, that's I'm about this. The thing that I like the most about it is that you can get it like even in in like fifth place, like as long as you're in the back half. Yeah, you know you're likely to get it, and then it's also the type of thing that shows up. In, in my experience, at least, at, like, lap two and especially lap three. And I think it's really cool because it's this, like, blue shell-esque comeback mechanic because the bees or the swarm or, like, wasps will shoot forward and mostly impact the top two or three racers. Yeah. But if they are able to avoid the entire swarm and you do somehow catch up to it before it's, like, faded away, then you have even more to deal with because the people in front of you are skilled. So it doesn't immediately punish them. It just makes things more interesting, and I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of this item. Especially, oh. also, it's actually effective on, in the planes, because now you have Swarm in, like, 3D. That's true. It doesn't make planes significantly more interesting. <laughs> I want a whole game that's the Swarm. That's not true. <laughs> but it's a little true. Uh, what's the other item? The last item is the hot rod. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which is a really neat concept because it gives you a slight speed boost and there's a meter that goes like into the yellow and then to the red and you want to like hit the item button before it like gets the end of the red because if you don't, you'll kind of crash like it'll overheat yeah. and you'll lose time. But if you hit the item button before that happens, you get a nice little AOE effect around you. Yeah, so it's like a boost that converts into a weapon. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy this item in in a world that is post me understanding how it works. Because I think the pro I think the problem with this item is that you don't. This is the only item in the game where you have to hit the item button a second time for this item, uh, and so I think it's not immediately clear. It feels like it could be the uh, the lightning cloud in Mario Kart Wii, where like you go faster, but if you don't get rid of it by bumping into somebody, it'll make you tiny. It feels like that situation. I do feel like that is just a result of like preconceived notions though, because- That's true, yeah. I had like a similar experience with it, except I think that they do a good job of showing you that like, 
the the engine like screws up if you don't do it right. Yeah. And and there is a very visible meter. Yeah, the, like Charlie mentioned. It's a visible diegetic meter which feels very good cuz it's attached to your cart. Yeah, and like uh, and it becomes less visible when you're drifting, which I think is also cool. Yeah, cuz it's like another skill-based thing where you need to be careful of what's going on. Yeah. And I do like that it has an AoE because this is now like a choice you have to make. Do you want to go further in front of like the person that you're trying to pass or do you want to like blast them to like make some more distance between you and them? So I feel like if you're in like third or fourth and you get this it could be really useful to pop the person that, you know, is currently in first that you can take their place and push them yeah. further back into the pack so that they have to deal with each other's items more. I, I really like this item as well. I think it's my second favorite in the list. So this this game has a Grand Prix. <laughs> it does it now. That's pretty much all there is to say about the Grand Prix. I will say that in order to play any cup, you have to like place third or higher in the previous cup which is a little bit annoying yeah i guess you could probably do it on any difficulty but also the way to unlock courses in free play and versus is to have played them in any game mode including online which is very strange yeah it's kind of like an infection getting stages unlocked yeah I don't like the way you phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> I agreed with you immediately and then agreed with Charlie immediately. Yeah, you get them from your friend, even if you don't necessarily want to. <laughs> I don't want more content. <laughs> I don't want more of these stages, especially if they don't have plane mode. I mean, especially if they do have plane mode, I guess. Yeah, but you can unlock the classic stages, so. It's true. I, I think it's weird because Grand Prix doesn't have anything unlockable that isn't intrinsic to Grand Prix itself. Yeah. So it's like, you can kind of just ignore it, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. Most of the unlock situation happens in mission mode, which is a mode where you go down a bunch of, like... It's, it's a little bit similar to the first game, but mostly not at all, where you have sort of this Mario World esque map and when I say that what I mean is you mostly just go to the right and sometimes the path branches and then reconverges mm -hmm. yeah um, you go from like left to right on a web basically or like a skill tree if you want to think of it that way yeah yeah uh, and and most of the missions I think at least half of the missions are just participate in a race yeah yeah and you can select your difficulty which determines how many stars you'll get if you complete the mission one for easy, two for medium, and three for hard. Uh, but also, the difficulty obviously determines uh, how difficult it is. But a lot of them, I feel like it's it's very disproportionate, where if you go easy or medium, you have to place third. And if you go for hard, you have to place first against hard computers, so it's harder twice. Yeah, the gap between yeah. medium and hard is massive. It's huge, yeah. Like, like I, I I get first place on medium and I get fifth place on hard when I have to get first. Yeah, I also could consistently get first place on every medium challenge like easily. And I don't even feel like I'm that good at this game, you know. And the thing that I felt was weirdest about it was that they open you on just a straight up race. Yeah. And you typically I like these mission modes because they function as a soft like sort of encouraging tutorial because you're yeah. actually playing the game but you are usually learning things step by step. It's like, oh, 
you know, learn how to turn better and, like, control where your car is on the map by collecting these specific items in, in a regular racetrack. Or, oh, learn how to drift because all you have to do during this entire race is drift. So just really focus on that and figure out the physics really well. Or it's like, yeah. oh, you have to knock out this opponent player, like, like hit them with as many items as possible. So this teaches you how to aim. But in this case, you just do, like, a bunch of races, and then they have, like, the basic easy stuff. Yeah. It's a really weird process. And the the other stuff, the non-race stuff, was the only stuff that I did on hard difficulty. And I felt like it was a challenge, but because it wasn't literally three full laps, I was never really upset when I failed. So yeah. I was fine continuing to try it on hard. Right. I think that's my biggest problem with the races in, in uh, mission mode, is because it's three laps, like, it just takes a long time. Yeah, it's a massive time sink. Uh, how did you feel about the mission mode, Charlie? Um, I like it a lot. I mean, I think we established last time I didn't really do the mission mode last time, but I don't I don't remember being this, like, intricate, I guess. Yeah, in the previous game, it is literally just a list of tasks, and you can get a letter grade for them, basically. Yeah, yeah but this is just branching past, and the letter grades are just, like, difficulties. And, you know, depending on the difficulty, you get stars for completing it. Like, you get... There's bronze, which is, like, easy. There's e easy, normal, hard, I guess, is what they are. Yeah. Yeah. But they're also rep represented by the metal colors and, like, letters. Yeah, there's a lot but more. You get... I what? did find it really interesting that, like, you accumulate stars by doing missions. Obviously, more stars the more missions you do. But, like, then there are gates where it's, like, you have to get X amount of stars in order to get past this gate. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a... I mean, it's it definitely is a way to make mission mode a lot more interesting than in the first game. By, like, adding a bunch of optional challenges and, like, encouraging you to try the harder versions in order to get to this content, etc. Right. Uh, and this is also the way that you will unlock characters, is every world has at least one character to unlock, and you have to, like, get to them on the map, which requires doing the challenges and then getting enough stars to pass the gate, etc. I think it's the same case for maps as well, or I guess tracks, you should call them. Well, and with tracks, you unlock the track as soon as you do a mission on that track. So you don't, you only have to accomplish enough to get to that point. Right. Which is interesting. Like, I unlocked a track after failing to do a mission on that track. And I thought that <laughs> oh, was I really funny. I didn't know that. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but the, honestly, the, the non-race missions are a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. maybe my favorite part of the game. But there are so many race missions that, like, I don't have the patience, so I just don't get to them. Yeah, let's see. I, the, the only race missions that I got really annoyed by were the rival missions. Yeah. Which involve you, like, facing down opponent and, like, you get a time limit. But, like, if one of you gets too far ahead, then it ends automatically regardless of the time limit. And you have to go through, like three to five of them or something like that yeah it's like a weird gauntlet of racers and no matter how well you're doing against one of them it like doesn't impact the next racer yeah mm -hmm. it's very strange there was one that i liked i'm gonna share two that i liked uh because i played them both today i had played one of them before but i i played another one like it and really enjoyed it which is um it's it's a boost sort of mode where 
you have a timer that's counting down and the timer freezes while you're boosting. Uh, and so you mm-hmm. want to get to checkpoints, which gives you more time. And the the course is filled with a lot more boost pads. Uh, and so you sort of want to optimize the time between boosts. But the other thing is the boost you get from drifting and tricks also count towards freezing the timer. Yes. So it's, it's just an exercise in optimization. And it feels really cool to do. You also get like a boost in your inventory to help recover, and that's you think true. It sometimes yeah. replenishes. It it replenishes at the end of a lap, which if you're doing hard mode, you have to do two laps. Right. So yeah, you'll so get, you get two like boosts total. Per... Yeah, I think uh, it's like a really imaginative take on the drift ta- blah, drift challenge from the previous game. Yeah, because it it never tells you you have to drift. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like boost. hey, if you drift, this is gonna go by way more smoothly. It's, it feels very organic, and I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, for sure. The other mission I was a huge fan of, I did today, and I was like, this is amazing. Uh, it was it was on the Jet Set classic stage from the first game, right? Yeah. And it was uh, basically, like, get through the checkpoints within a certain amount of time, but the checkpoints are moving, and also the stage is filled with other moving obstacles in the form of cars. So you got to yeah. avoid hitting the cars and then get through the checkpoints that are also driving along the course. Uh, and so you you got to optimize, but you also got to weave through shit. And I've already expressed how I feel about that. <laughs> and I was a huge fan, especially because uh, the farther you get into the stage, the faster the cars are moving. And so there's a great bit where at the beginning of the stage, you're weaving through all sorts of cars. Like, you're going way faster than them. You're passing by very quickly, which means you have to do a lot of weaving in a, in a short span of time, but you feel like you're going fast. And then towards the end of the stage, the cars are moving more quickly, but they also have more complex movement patterns where some of them yeah. are trying to hit you. And so you're like, all right, I'm less weaving through things and more trying to anticipate avoiding things that are aiming for me. And it feels very cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I loved that stage. I did not care that it took me 20 minutes to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, traffic attack is very... I'm kind of mixed on that one. I love it. That's that's my verdict. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Just to like go through kind of the, more of the game modes, like like Isaiah said, there's the race, there's the rival race, uh, there's boost race, which is just race without any items. Well, and it automatically the... gives you the triple boost at the beginning because this game has like a throttle thing when you start any race where if you like hit it three times with good rhythm you get a free boost oh yeah that's right I, we forgot to mention that but it's not super important it's the thing that's in a lot of games yeah, yeah. there's like what traffic attack as isaiah mentioned and then there's i think i think boost challenge was the other one you're talking about yeah yeah and there's a drift challenge yeah the drift challenge is neat because it teaches you where you should be drifting yeah, yeah. i figured that was one that you would like a lot I, I would have preferred it at the beginning, honestly, or not maybe the beginning, but like the second or third test, but they do it yeah. after you would have already had to have learned to boost or to drift properly in order to get three stars on some of the early races. That's the part that feels weird to me is the difficulty curve because mm-hmm. I'm the type that always wants to get three stars or whatever, like the full completion before I go on to the next task because that yeah. just feels good to me. But it's so insane to try and get three stars on that first race if you're new to the game. Oh yeah. It'll just like beat you over the head. Like it feels it feels so weird to when you're selecting the mission to go, 
hey, do I want to try and go for three stars or do I want to try and go for two stars? You have to commit to getting two out of three stars when the mission starts, and that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I would love being like, yeah, you get two stars for getting in the top three and you get three stars for getting first place. Like, if it's results-based. Yeah, like, make that race easy. Because if the race just serves to sort of introduce you to the game, Sonic and Sega... All-Stars Racing is the first game. Um, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, its first mission, I believe, is a race between Sonic and Amy. And I think yeah. you play as Amy. Or maybe you play Sonic, I don't remember. But you play as one of them. But it's just a really easy race. So it serves to introduce you to the game's basics. And then you start doing, like, the specific narrow tasks. And then eventually they throw you into real races later on. Whereas this game sort of, like, takes the opposite process. It puts you into... A race that is insanely hard to like get three stars on and I think that for some people that would be fine because you'll do that race normally and then you'll develop your skills as you go through the mode and like come back to it later and feel better and that's yeah. not there's nothing wrong with that but because there are people who want to like fully finish a task before they move on it's just really really difficult for those people I think the framing of stars and showing you the empty star slot where the third star could be yeah. just, like, is designed to make you want to get three stars immediately, which yeah, uh, unintentionally designed that way. But, like... Because I did two stars when I did the PS3 version, then I did all three stars when I got the Steam version. Yeah. I, for all races, I did two stars, and for all challenges that didn't involve CPUs, I did three stars. But it gets worse because once you get to the last, so all the challenges are like organized into like like uh, worlds or something. Yeah, they have like. When a you get to name. the last one, it introduces a four star thing. So like, you just have to go back and do them because I think you need to get all the stars in order to like get the last character, which is just a VMU called Ages, which is funny because that's Sega spelled backwards. That's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't even think about that part. Yeah. I was not on board with the name Ages, and then you pointed that out, and I was immediately on board. But yeah, it's just like a Sega hardware vehicle. It's neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, shoot, I was listing off the modes, and I talked about Boost Challenge. There's Ring Race, which is a plane version, which is like just getting through the rings on a plane. But it's interesting because you end up driving, like, you end up flying through, like, outside the course. Yeah. Like, to put in perspective, there's the afterburner stage, which is like a, a plane, like a aircraft carrier, and you're just like flying around the aircraft carrier and through the aircraft carrier, which you would not normally do in a regular race. Yeah, it's kind of like the Sonic Riders mission mode, where sometimes they would just add new rails and stuff to levels so that you maneuver around them in a completely different way. I actually like that a lot. Yeah. I always think it's cool to like explore a different part of the stage than you normally do. Yeah. It, oh, there's also like a time trial where you have to beat the ghost. Like that's one of the things you can do in the uh in the challenge in the mission mode. Yeah, and then there's also just the regular time trial mode in the game itself. It's still like fully there. Oh, yeah. It should also be worth mentioning that you need the stars in order to unlock characters or to progress into certain sections. Yeah. And also slot machines. The for slot, some reason. Oh, the slot machines are so weird. Because there's, like, coins that sort of litter the map. Or, I guess the track. I keep calling it map. The tracks that are in, like, harder-to-reach spots. So you feel compelled to get them because you assume they'll give you some kind of edge. But they don't give you an edge in the immediate race. 
And also, yeah. whenever you hit someone with an item, a coin pops out of them, which immediately makes me think of the Mario Kart games where having a coin count will boost your max speed. So I wanted to get them, but the more and more of them I got, the more and more I realized they were pointless, <laughs> and then they only serve like an external purpose that will help you in a future race, but not the one you're in currently. So it never feels worth it to go for them. It's, it's yeah. such a strange design choice. I never go for them. They just kind of come to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You never you never should because it will just objectively hurt your chances of winning the race. The the main method of getting a hold of them is whenever you hit somebody with an item, they drop a coin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. And whenever you get hit, you drop a coin too, but I don't think that removes from your actual currency count. No. No, I don't even think though so. it feels like it should. Like it, it's yeah. not that anyone actually has coins in their pockets. It's just when you hit someone, a coin spawns. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. It, it's very different from like Mario Kart, and it's not intuitive. Oh no, not at all. Mario Kart's is pretty intuitive. They drop coins that they're holding, and then when you pick up the coins, you have more coins than them. Yeah. And there's like a meter that shows you how many you have. It's it's weird. Or be, I guess that's like a counter. But I think that's everything. That's all the missions. Yeah, I think. So. Oh, there's tank mode. What? Tank Which mode. You're just you just collect missiles and attack this tank that changes attack pattern like three or four different phases. Oh, it's like the boss fights from the previous game. Yeah, and it's under a time limit. But like, it's okay. It it does suffer from that problem of like how what Steven was saying how you. If you launch off a ramp, it's gonna go straight instead of like going, instead of like going with the terrain. Right. So it makes aiming kind of tedious. It's it's like my I think it's my least favorite mode. It wasn't super great in the previous game either. The boss fights felt like they did not make sense with the toolkit that you had access to. Yeah, but thankfully I think it's probably one of the least used. Like there's like only three or four of those total. Yeah, that would make sense. There weren't a ton in the previous game either. I mean, they also, like, require to have, like, a completely drivable surface. Like, it, there's no boat or plane mode for it. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to use the, like, more difficult to control aspects of the game, for sure. Yeah. Any whomst. Any whomst. <laughs> I think the other, like, major mechanic that we need to talk about in this game is that characters can level up, which is weird because you don't actually like increase your stats objectively when you level up what happens is you get access to different like tweaked versions of your character so like i almost exclusively played his beat during this game because i wanted to try and unlock as much of his level ups as possible yeah and i got first like one that modified speed so it would raise his speed and reduce his handling and then i got another one that modified his boost which increased it increased it wow <laughs> increased his boost and reduced his acceleration, I believe. And mm. it's weird, because the longer you play the game, obviously the more options you'll have based on characters. Like, you'll unlock more characters that have different stats. But also, every single character has, like, six or seven different sets of stats. So it feels like you've got access to very little of the game from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I guess it's just a way that they thought would encourage more playtime, but it's... It's like... I, I'm, a, I'm a person who likes to switch characters a lot, so I never really... Yeah get past maybe level two or level three yeah well the other thing is most of the mods are like not useful because it's well, like oh, no i no, 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 I, no, no, no. they're super useful many of them are useful but most of them you're oh, not gonna use i see you mean like the handling boosters are like clunky <laughs> yeah well yeah. so like so when i played as knuckles right 
pretty much every mod was like, take this stat that you want and reduce it so that you can get a stat that you don't really care about very much. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm just gonna pick default. I really like his stat layout by default. That's why I've been playing as him so much. Yeah, I see. I didn't like Beat's stat layout, but I just like Jet Set, so I picked. Yeah, Beat. I, and that's and that's valuable. I think it's like two different player types. I totally yeah. agree with you, Charlie. Though that like the fact that this discourages switching characters makes no sense because this game is called Sonic and All Stars. It is yeah. trying to highlight its character roster, and it picks so many weird options, and you're just not encouraged to play them at all, because you're going to be unlocking some of these later anyway. So, like, you're going to have to level up a character, like, besides the ones you unlock. I will say there is a bit where there is a max level. It's like level six is the max level. It's, it's the star level, right? I think some people have seven. There's something to be said for you fully leveled up your character... So now you have an obligation to play as a different character and level them up instead. Yeah, but you'll only reach that if you are already deeply in love with this game. <laughs> That's true. You're right. Also worth mentioning, I tried to play online on Steam. No active users. Zero. <laughs> so, you know, rip. Yeah. I was gonna play I was gonna play online against some other like it would it would be exciting to do that for the podcast, but no takers. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you can. Excuse me. You're um, good. I think it's interesting that, like, in mission mode, you can unlock the console mods, which are, I mean, it's like depending on what what console a character originated from. Although I think there was one character that like originated on the Dreamcast that got a Saturn mod for some reason. Yeah. And that was weird. But I don't. I actually don't know what stats they do specifically. But it's like an interesting thing that you can get mods. A bit faster than you might normally with uh, standard gameplay. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad system. I just wish more of them were available either faster or, like, they had an unlock process similar to characters, maybe. And then you had characters that were just designed with, like, versatile enough stats that you felt encouraged to switch back and forth a lot. As opposed to, like, mm -hmm. the current system, which just encourages you to stick to one character, even though the thing that you're trying to get is, like, access to more versatility. It's, it's like, a really weird system, I guess. Although, maybe, maybe the point is to, like, make it so that even if you only like one character, you still have more options. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. But at that point... I think that's, that's true. A lot of people playing the game are going to be like, I like this character. I want to play as this character. And that's it. I've decided this is my character now, you know? <laughs> uh, like me with Knuckles or you with Beat, right? Right, but it does uh, feel then like you're punishing the people who aren't that way, which you definitely shouldn't. Yeah. Also, just level up, like, not every game needs to be an RPG, please. That is that is also true. In I general. think there's a component of we just wanted to gamify playing the game more. Right. I, I much preferred the system in the previous game where you just got currency for doing pretty much anything, and then you could spend that on whatever you were interested in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's right now it's, it's really frustrating to unlock characters, even though I like the missions that aren't races. Again, there are so many races that I just don't feel like playing mission mode. Right. But, like, if I don't play mission mode, I will never unlock Danica Patrick. <sighs> Danica Patrick. This, as, as far as I'm concerned, this is her legacy, not the thing that actually got her into the game. Or the GoDaddy commercials. 
<laughs> oh yeah. All right. She has two legacies, and neither of them are racing. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. Is Another it? thing oh. is that uh, since you mentioned unlocking stuff with points, there's no like alternate music. Every track has different music. Granted, yeah. they sometimes change with like the vehicles, but still. Yeah. It's a bit of a downgrade. I do like this game is mostly uh, new music, by which I mean remixes. Like, it's not like the original game I felt like was mostly we took a song that already existed and we just plopped it in this game. Yeah. This this has music made for this game, which is very and nice. And they did that with Bingo Park, which is just unacceptable. Yeah. Like, seriously. Why why Bingo Park? Never ever put Bingo Park in anything, please. <laughs> Man, you guys just have that. It's that so much hero salt. Charlie, if you like Bingo Park, get out. <laughs> You're not welcome on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> he left the Discord call. <laughs> uh, would you say that you like Bingo Park or that you like the concept of Bingo Park? I I don't know. I just think it's neat. I like the music. It's I think it's a fine enough stage. I, I, would, I would not go so far as to call that stage fine. It is playable at best. I'm a simple man with simple desires, I guess. It's true. You can play as Knuckles during that stage. And Tails if Got you it. want. If you really want to. Look at all those Eggman's robots. Can't play as big, though. Look at all this photograph. Um, so I think we're ready to move on to the last segment, which is just the stage picks. I just, I just want to say real quick, during oh. the first stage, I don't remember the name of the stage, but the first stage, which is a Sonic level, the music is like a fusion between supersonic racing and you can do anything, which yeah, good I think idea. is cool. Good combo. I just think that's great. That's all. So what is that first stage, Trey? That first Casino stage highway. in the game that is a game. Oh. Good thing I opened the page out. Oh, I'll... Yeah, never mind. That's not relevant. Okay, first stage, Ocean View, which is unfortunately just Seaside Hill again. Yep. Yeah. Why is Seaside Hill the the one that Sega's going to champion forever now? I don't know, because Sonic Generations came out, Yep. and so did Sonic Colors. Like, they don't have to... They, 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 it's not like they have to continue to pretend that Sonic 06 doesn't exist, which they still do. But, like, there's other Sonic games to do now. Also, but wouldn't it, we'll get a bit more into that later. Wouldn't it be great to just race down pseudo-grease? Like, yeah, absolutely. That would be wonderful. A Sonic Unleashed stage would be phenomenal. Oh, you mean, like, Windmill Isle? Yeah, Windmill Isle, Apatos, whatever you want to yeah. call it. It would have been great. And it would have been a good excuse to have both boat and plane segments. I'm going to hit you with a hot take. I want that a lot more than a rooftop run stage. Well, yeah. Yeah. But you'll get a rooftop run stage next time. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. Get ready. Uh, next, we got Samba Studios. That's a nice little Samba de Amigo stage. I mean, you guys probably don't care much for Samba de Amigo. And I don't really either, but I like the music. So. I like the boating segment, but the floating heads. No, no, that's the one. That's the other one. That's the one from the first game. Wait, I thought there was a floating head segment in this one, too. No, there's no floating heads in this one. Oh... So it's a massive improvement. Yeah. I guess maybe the boats just totally replaced the floating heads, and I just didn't bother to look up. Yeah. The Carrier Zone is the next one. That's the Afterburner Climax stage. 
which is nice. I liked it well enough. For some reason, I think of Top Gun instead of Afterburner because I've never played Afterburner. I haven't played Top Gun either, but like, <laughs> that's a game I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Drag Dragon Canyon from Panzer Dragoon, which, interestingly enough, I saw a Japanese Dream, uh, Japanese Saturn version of that game today. Whoa. I almost thought about getting it, even though I probably wouldn't play it because I don't have a Saturn. Yeah, also the Xbox speak Japanese. version is really good. Oh, man, they put it on Xbox? Yeah, Panzer Dragoon Order is the Xbox. Well, okay, so to my understanding, Panzer Dragoon is actually like an RPG a little bit, and then there's a sequel that is a dragon riding shoot 'em up and then oh. Panzer Dragoon Order is a sequel to that sequel? But I'm no scientist, so, you know, could be wrong. But Anyway, that those four in the Dragon Cup, next we got the Rogue Cup, which we got Temple Trouble, which is the Super Monkey Ball stage, and that one, eh. I like that one. I, I like racing on it, but like aesthetically, it's just kind of like I don't know. For some reason, I like the original games, Monkey Ball stages. I like them because they feel like they have an identity of their own. Like they are designed in a very specific way that feels kind of Monkey Ball esque because it's like an environment that you're not supposed to be racing on. Much like the Monkey Ball stages are environments where you're not supposed to be <laughs> rolling around a in a ball on. ball on. Yeah, like they. So, I. I really like that they have an identity in the first game, but I really hate that identity because it's really frustrating to race in. Oh my god, it is the most rewarding thing to race on in the game. <laughs> like, okay, so your first time experiencing it, and when I say first time, I mean like first ten times. Uh-huh. Like, all the computers are like, I know exactly where to go, and you're like, hold up, is there like a sign or something? And then you smack into a wall. Are you ready for me to blow your mind? Are you going to tell me there's a sign? Because I know that there are often signs. There are definitely yeah. signs. Sign, but what I'm, sign. <laughs> what I'm going to do is tell you that that's the same as the experience with Super Monkey Ball, the game. That's that's true. But Super Monkey Ball is not a racing game. It's a game about self improvement. Okay, but it had to be adapted into a racing game, and they did that's that the fair. best way they could. This level in this game is just a checkerboard slapped on the same map as every other race. That's true. That said, I will say I really like this course. I don't have any problems with it. I think it does have some neat little shortcuts and odds and ends, but so does every stage. It's got a it's got a bunch of like you can take one of two paths, but they sort of weave around each other in a way that's like very visible and easy to understand, but also makes you feel like the decision matters a lot because you can what? see both options. I felt like the decision mattered very little because I could see both options and how they immediately went back to the same area and were exactly <laughs> symmetrical. I don't know, man. Also, the previous stages had that same exact thing, or at the very least, the uh, the pyramid one did. All right, <laughs> the next stage is Galactic Parade, which is a Sonic Color stage. Ooh, ooh. holy crap! I also really like the stage. I like this one a lot too. It's got a it's lot right. of like, uh, there's there's a bit where like you can't really see the ground in front of you, and you think it's because you're about to like like dive off a cliff, and you prepare yourself to do tricks. But then the camera like rotates downward and you're like driving upside down along a starlight path, which is very cool. Well, it's also interesting when like if there's a gap between characters, like you can see like two different like starlight planes. Yeah. That's true. Or if they're just far enough apart, you'll see like little black squares popping in and out. <laughs> yeah. And you just think your game is glitching. Right. It also just looks like really wonky. I think this is the third lap only, but I'm not sure because of circumstances. If you're in first place in certain sections, 
the laser robots in Sonic Colors will show up and try and mess you up, and I I just think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I had no problem with that stage. If you're if you're like in second or third, but you're close enough to first, you can like also have that obstacle to weave around, and I just think it's neat. Also, there's not too much flying, and there's no there's no water. Nope. I do feel like the flying might be the worst flying segment in the game, though, because it has asteroids that move, and ugh. Uh, yeah. Counterpoint, once you start flying, you never have to touch the control. What, I mean, yeah, you have you to do. hold accelerate, but you well, don't you, have to. You also have to maneuver around the asteroids, because they come flying at you. I, I actually don't think I ever got hit by asteroids in this stage. Okay, well... I mean, I'm not saying my experience is universal, but... All right, y'all. All right. You're right. You're right. I can only take so much from you <laughs> before I have to, like, get us back on course. Yeah. Speaking of course, uh, what's the next track? Yeah. Seasonal Shrines from Shinobi, which just reminded me that Joe Musashi's in this game. Fucking and Joe I Musashi. feel like a Shinobi character would be more interesting, but not really. It's just a ninja dude in a car. Yeah. And it's just, like, a nice little Japanese, like stage but that's all i can really say about it uh next we have rogues landing from skies of arcadia also vice from that game is in this game which i actually like playing as vice so even though i've never played skies of arcadia his design is nice yeah and it's there's not as much flying in it despite the name of skies of arcadia but like the last lap is entirely in a plane yeah you like drive on like docked airships and their docks it's weird yeah we got the Emerald Cup next, which the first stage is Dream Valley, which I think is the only stage that does not use a car. Yeah, that's a nice one, right? Yeah. I want you to know from this point point onwards, I did not have any of these stages unlocked. Yeah, but you played through some of them with me. That's true. When we played multiplayer. Well, and you also unlocked yeah. them because you played them with Charlie. <laughs> that is also true, yeah. I got dead last place and then unlocked a new course. <laughs> Next, we have Chili Castle from Billy Hatcher, which, rip Billy Hatcher, he's not in this game. Billy Castle from Chili Hatcher? We have a stage for him, but he doesn't get to show up. I think he appears on the stage, or at least some of his comrades do. That's not good enough. Yeah, like Grump and Bungle. Speaking of not good enough. Imagine being Sega and being like, hey, do you remember Billy Hatcher? We're never making another one. (laughs) Speaking of we're never making another one, we have a... Graffiti City for Jet Set Radio. Yep. Also, Graffiti City, not what that is called. <laughs> they got. They just got to use buzzwords. Graffiti City might be what it's called in the original Jet Set Radio, but in future it's called Tokyo Toe. They were all called Tokyo Toe in the last game. Well, that that's like the. It was like the venue because in that game they had like three yeah. things per venue. Right, right. Next we have Sanctuary Falls, which is Guy Sanctuary's own, and I guess that's where some of the Song Generations inspiration comes from. Yeah. But we still had to get a Sonic Hero stage again. Yep. <laughs> uh, this one has back in time playing in the background sometimes. Yeah. Love to hear it. It's a good bit because it's earlier in Sonic's history, I guess. <laughs> and it's a so, racing game. Yeah. Just like how Super Sonic Racing was also in this game because it's from a racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arcade Cup. That first stage is Graveyard Gig from House of the Dead EX, which makes sense because I think you see, you at least see Zobiko in the last lap. I don't know if you ever see Zobio. Yeah. But that's, it's nice to see them dead. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Yeah, dead and well. Dead and well. Dead and well. Next is Adder's Lair from Golden Axe. 
got the best Which is flying the only in the game. stage I think where you're using a boat on lava. <laughs> boat on lava. Lava boat. What a mess. Then you get Burning Depths from Burning Rangers, which is like a firefighter game on the Saturn. And it's kind of anime. And you see the Burning Rangers every now and then, like flying around. By the way, I apologize. My audio is going to be a little bit wacky to edit right now. My dog is running up and down the stairs. It's time to go to bed. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, guys, my eyes, I'm like leaning back in my chair with my eyes closed, about to take a nap in the middle of this podcast. Hit me with the rapid fire. Well, hold on a second. If you wanna, if you wanna wake up, you should listen to the theme for Burning Depths because it's a bop. Dude, link me. No, not in the middle of the episode. <laughs> Next, we have Race of Ages, which is just like a big old Sega love letter. Yeah, to the game it's Rocket got like Ages. like a bunch of little Sega things in the middle. Like you can see Bonanza Brothers, Sonic, Rio. And then it has a Space Harrier playing in the background, and that's a really good song. Or the main theme for Space Harrier. I don't know how much other songs there is besides the boss theme. Anyway, the last one is the Classic Cup, which just has a bunch of all-stars racing. you got the Sunshine Tour for Samba de Amigo. Shibuya Downtown for Jet Set Radio. Uh, Roulette Road from Sonic Heroes. That's the casino one that Steven and Isaiah hate. <laughs> it's not just us that hate it, but go on. And then you have Egg <laughs> Hanger, for like the, which was a DLC course from last time, I remember. And then there's Outrun Bay, which was a DLC that came out with Metal Sonic like at, at launch. So that's the stages. Yeah, they've got a pretty good selection here, I like in terms of diversity of games that they're from. Yeah. Yeah. It is, like, weird because I feel like of the IPs that I like, I feel like it didn't get enough representation. But I'm pretty sure that's just because I like those IPs. Yeah. Uh, like, Sonic is the only one that gets more than one stage, right? And he only gets, what, three? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, classic course is not included. Right. His name is on the box, so I think it's fair that he get three. That's true, yeah. I would say, though, that, like, in general, the courses in this game are, like, visually interesting, almost always. Oh, yeah. But they all play, like, pretty much this. It's just, like, a bunch of turns, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I do, I and I want to reiterate, I really like the way the stages change over the course of multiple laps. Yeah. But what I don't like is the way that they change to become Flymore. Right, which is... They just all kind of feel the same, except for Panzer Dragoon's level and the lava level that I always... Is that the one from Golden Axe? What? <laughs> the lava level. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's the, Golden Axe. So the Golden Axe level and the Panzer Dragoon level both have flying where there's like actually interesting vertical obstacles, so drifting feels really encouraged. But other than that, all the flying always feels the same, just with more or less obstacles. Yeah. It's, it's it's really interesting how like one one race will feel different throughout the different laps, but all of the courses are that exact experience. Uh huh. And it's not a it's bad one. Strange. It's just yeah, like yeah. Like when you ask me what level I want to play, I genuinely just can't remember the differences. Yeah. As opposed to like in Mario Kart, right? If you ask me the levels that I like, they're no, all like say say in Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing. Talk about that game. That's true. In Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing, the different, like, IPs have different identities, which is very cool. Yeah. There's, I, I, and I don't remember the IP, but there's, like, a zombie level that's just, like, really fun to race along well, because wait, there's different... Do you not remember the where the zombies are from? I w- I w- it's House of the Dead. 
I thought it was House of the Dead, but it felt weird. Because it's a generic name? No, because the... <laughs> the I don't know. Like, I just... I, I thought it was House of the Dead, but I also thought it wasn't House of the Dead. Does that but, make sense? Yeah, I guess. I, I feel like the cool thing about House of the Dead is that, like, the house part really informs the stage's design. That's true, yeah. And I think that there are a couple of stages in this game that do that. Like, the Skies of Arcadia stage especially, I think, does a really good job of having a strong identity. Yeah. And that informs the design of the stage. But that's, like, the only instance I can even remember, really. There's one course where, like, a dinosaur breaks the stage, so you start flying in, in lap three. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking I think I know what you're like about. A, it's, it's a bit... I'm always upset about it because it's the bit in the stage... Excuse me. It's the bit in the stage where you can drift the most, and then he goes, nope, you're flying now. So you replace drifting with flying, which is a downgrade twice. <laughs> so do you think you guys are ready to put a thumb on this? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a thumb on this. I'll put a thumb up. I'll I put am, a thumb up. I am also a thumbs up. I think that this game, like, has has weaknesses and strengths that differ greatly from its predecessor, but I do think it ex excels at certain things, especially the items. Yeah. Yeah. Items are excellent. I think this game is really fun to play with friends, which, like, the last one, I think if your friends are into racing games, that's one thing, but, like, this game makes it really engaging without making it feel like rubber banding. I was I was genuinely upset when I found that there were no other players on Steam online. I mean, I wasn't super surprised, but I was upset because I was like, I want to see what this game feels like to play with nine other real people. Yeah, who have all been workshopping the game for the past eight years yeah. or whatever. Like, I, I fully expected to be destroyed, but I wanted to know, you know? Yeah, you would get eviscerated. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I'd have fun doing it. I, I'd just be drifting by myself in last place until all, everybody, like, laps me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be drifting by myself. <laughs> A lonely drifter. So, all right. you, you can find us um, on Twitter, at NoSpinDashZone, and you can send your emails to the email account, NoSpinDashZone at gmail.com. Please tell us what you think about things. You can also find me on Twitter at Isaiah Games. That's I-S-I-A-H. And then the word games. Really changing it up this time, aren't you? I decided to, I decided to, to freestyle it a little bit. Uh, since I'm probably going to delete my art account, I'll probably just plug in my regular Twitter because I'll probably go in the back to that. You can follow me at Charlie is Horse, like the animal. <laughs> That's it. So next time will be our, our season finale for this. We're going to be sending off the Wii and all of its baggage as well as... The generation that gave us Sonic 06 will be saying goodnight to that. And we'll be saying hello to the Wii U. Well. Oh, no. Not right away. Um, because we'll be throwing doing a big season finale episode. And then we'll That's have a three-part yeah. mini-series. And I don't know. We may have already announced what it was. But, Charlie, would you like to announce it again? Sure, it's Knights. Yeah. All three of them. All two and Christmas of them. <laughs> I don't think that's even enough for a Fortnite. Because that was a word, you know, yeah, before, it's still, before it was a game. It, I don't know what it means, but... Oh, I forgot that the game existed when you said that was a word. I was like, dude, it still is. It means two weeks. No, it doesn't. Oh, it does? <laughs> it means something very different now. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the length of time was a, was two weeks. It means free-to-play with 
epic skins. Have a nice Fortnite, everybody. <laughs> Have a nice Fortnite battle royale. Well, I guess that makes sense because we basically uploaded every Fortnite. It's true. That's true. So have a good Fortnite. Have a good Bok Fortnite. Bok by. Spin you later. Gex the hell out of here. All right, I I'm I'm quitting this podcast. Isaiah, no.